Every single one of us is spending too much time in front of a screen these days. Many, if not most of us, are spending most of our days on at least one screen, including our children. This pandemic has presented an opportunity for almost every researcher studying the effects of screens on our brains, and especially on the brains of our children. This pandemic is a real-life experiment of the effects of the screen time on our brain. My name is Richardson. I'm a software developer and YouTuber. And I'm Sayla, an actress and production designer. And you're listening to 5050 Tech Flicks with Sayla and Richie. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey guys, how are you all today? Uh, something major happened last week. What was the major thing that happened last week? We got engaged. Oh yes, we got engaged. I thought we were strictly talking about flicks tonight, so I, you, you curved <laughs> a little spin on me there. Yeah, that was a little trick one. Yeah. <laughs> we had a wonderful weekend last week, which is why we're making up for it today. Yeah, we're recording this podcast on a Sunday instead of a usual Saturday, but uh, we are still on schedule. We are, because we do a podcast one week in advance. That's true. Today, we're going to be talking about how kids consume screen. Basically, this pandemic has brought up a concern. Um, the fact that kids now are learning on screens, they're they're playing on screens, they're doing video games on screens, they're talking to their relatives and loved ones on screens. They're just on screens all the time. Most researchers have realized that the way people used to use screen pre-pandemic is much worse today. And I think a lot of researchers are now changing the tone and what they think about the effect of screen on our brain. And I thought that was a really interesting topic. Actually, Sela suggested this topic for today's episode. I started thinking about it because I have numerous friends who have children and they're actually all stuck at home on their computers and they're forced to do a new way of learning. How do you prepare your children for a world you can't imagine? For example, us as parents, if we were parents. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. <laughs> we don't know what the next generation is going to be experiencing. We don't know what kind of new technology are going to appear and how they're going to use it. So we might think that we know how to regulate those technology, but it's really hard because we didn't grow up. In this world. I think me and you have been really thinking about how the pandemic might affect kids' brain in the context of how they're growing up in this world. For example, with your niece, growing up in a world where, you know, they have to wear masks and so on. But I think it's also very interesting to look at it in the context of how they're growing up in a world where there are too much screen time. And I think this is a very, very interesting topic because of that. A lot of those researchers that made all those research about how people should consume their screen were pretty much panicking about how teenagers and kids were using their cell phone, computers, and, and you know, streaming network. But with the pandemic, it presented an opportunity to test that in a real-life context. I know, because like nowadays, um, it's becoming the new norm to communicate with screens, is to learn on screens, play games on screens. Basically, their lives revolve around screens. And it's kind of crazy because we're wondering, does that affect their learning ability and their social skills and their mental well-being? So apparently, there's a couple concerns. So one of it is the fact that a lot of the screen use are passive screen usage. And because people tend to be sedentary, let's say you want you consuming Instagram and just crawling nonstop. You're not really learning anything. Your brain is not active. Yeah, it's just like basically just feeding you garbage and it's so catered to your interests as far as visuals go. It's not challenging you at all. Like you don't even remember what you saw like four minutes ago. It's kind of like negative for your 
children's imagination. That's what I think most of those researchers are thinking or were thinking before the pandemic. But it looks like this is changing a little bit. I still actually think it is negative for imaginations. I think that it's essential that they are forced to play on their own, like go throw sticks or like swim in a lake or like build a sandcastle or or like just games, like tactile games and like reading because it forces them to imagine things. Well, hold on. You mentioned games, but don't you think that when people play video game that their imagination is still being challenged? They have to use the imagination when they're playing games sometimes. No, I think that they're being challenged as far as like there's some skills that they can learn from the video games. But the video games nowadays, especially, they are like so visual. It's like almost like you're in a crazy 3D world that's more imaginative than our real lives. It's being fed to them. They don't have to imagine that stuff in their heads. And that's a that's like a muscle. That's a creative muscle, I think. I would like to say that there are different type of games. For example, when you think of Minecraft, it's like a word where any kids can, any player, I'll say, because it's not just kids playing, can create their own word. You are using your imagination to create your own word in Minecraft. And this is one of the games that is the most played by kids today. And I guess it'll be similar to playing Lego, mm. but in a virtual world. What's the difference between a kid building Lego physically and a kid building a much bigger word in Minecraft, which can be sometimes like 100 times bigger than whatever they could build with Legos. Okay, so like I'm actually not familiar with Minecraft, so I'd like to look into that more. But I can see that that, especially if it's like constructive and they're like trying, it's like a challenging thing. Yeah, that is effective. But I still think nothing beats reality as well call me yeah for people that are born and grew up in a digital world i don't think that tactile is as important they can still create things they can still imagine and they can still do things virtually so i was reading this book where they were saying that video games is a new bedtime story because when you're playing a video game you are experiencing a story that someone else told you and a lot of those stories are very very complex and they're actually helping kids develop some aptitude that we never even even think about before because now they're not only listening to that in quote bedtime story but they're also interacting with that word and that's something that a lot of people didn't experience when they were kids yeah i definitely didn't experience that and just <laughs> hearing about it makes my the hair on the back of my neck raise up as well as crawl i'm probably a little old-fashioned but like creeps me out to know that we're going to be consumed by like screens and like now we're going into virtual reality which i truly enjoy as well but the fact that everything is virtual and on screens and it's not tactile <laughs> just ah well you know there's a technology fallacy right where people think that every new technology that come around is going to be bad and people get worried and that has happened for generation and generation and you know that brings a topic that we've been talking a lot together about is like how do you imagine a word that you didn't grow up in that your kids grew up in or will grow up in. For example, you weren't raised with video games, so you're afraid of video games for your kids or something like that, right? But a kid that was born into that world, that grew up with video games, that saw how video games shaped their brain, they'll think that that would be a good thing for the kids. So it's, yeah, it's, like a very, it's a very interesting concept. I can see that 100%. And I also learned a lot actually living with you because you're so techy and you're so into computers and you live and you work and you breathe on computers. So I learned that it is a tool that's not going away and that I, I had a lot of resistance before, but now I'm a lot more open to it. I've been trying to learn it as a tool. You've challenged me and taught me. And I, I, I realize now because it's not going away, we do have to treat it as such and kids have to be 
educated on it because that's where the future is so it is a skill set that they need I just I just don't agree with like more than like a couple hours a day like we were limited as children to one hour a day that's it or less I could have been actually 30 minutes I think most parents were worried about kids becoming addicted to using the technology and not doing something else expert on screen time have been stepping back from terms like addiction and from framing it as an anormal moral panic so now more and more you see experts saying that it's not about how much time your kids spend watching or consuming content. It's more about a balance. What type of content they're consuming. Different screen time have different value. And not all screen time are bad. So yeah, personally I think we should shift the perspective in teaching them proper use of technology instead of constantly fighting them to use technology and figure out like, okay, is this technology inherently going to be healthy for them in a way? The more you talk to people more and more and you ask them, how did you learn that? The answer is, oh, I learned it on YouTube. And if you ask me, have you learned more things on YouTube than reading books? The answer is probably yes, but I love reading, right? But when I think about where where do I learn the most stuff, it tends to be on YouTube. Yeah, it's all, it's like a really effective way of quickly learning something. Because something somebody's made a video about it for about five to seven minutes and you can learn how to do anything. You have the option between long content, short form content, or just a quick bit. But I think that the quality of screen time is what matters. When we were kids, we spent a lot of time on the computer. I think my parents were really open with the idea of us adopting technology and now everyone uses a computer. Today, with um, the pandemic, most kids are on the computer when they're learning. It's crazy because I've seen like little toddlers like one or two years old swiping on iPads. And I'm like, what the heck? When I first saw that, they're tiny little minuscule fingers and they're like swiping around, navigating, pushing buttons. They know exactly where to go. They don't know where to go more than I do. It's crazy. I just, I, I was blown away when I saw that. And that's just evidence right there. But the only thing is on that topic, yes, it's educational and it can be, but do kids have the control like do they know how to control themselves as far as what to watch because like it starts to be a like a binge thing especially with youtube because once they finish a video there's another one waiting right yeah. it's just a never-ending cycle and that's how the binging starts i think when it comes to that i think you need to be regulated at different age yeah i can see how that can become an issue for example when i went to vidcon the majority of people coming to see their favorite youtuber were kids so they spend so much time on youtube so you start being worried about what kind of content they're watching on I'm, YouTube. I'm very worried. There's like, even if a parent thinks that they are monitoring it, I do not think that they're completely monitoring it. I think the kids are way more savvy. They know exactly what's going on. There's no way a parent can really know exactly what their little brains are absorbing and they're a sponge at that time. Well, that's why I think that it has to be more about communication than surveillance because you can't always find out what they're watching, but you need to have an open dialogue with your kids about what type of content they're watching or maybe asking them like what did you watch yesterday what was it about what do you think and have a conversation this way you can actually have a dialogue and actually i was reading that only three percent of parents claim to strictly limit their own tech use around their kids so if parents aren't restricting their tech use then how are the kids going to learn that skill as well how are they even going to be able to tell them essentially what we're saying is we're all addicted this is new to me this is new to you we all don't know how to restrict our usage it's crazy and i i talk about this with my friends and all sorts of people everyone expresses that they are on their little freaking screens way too much we are our future is learning how to regulate it we all in the same box parents and kids yeah okay so we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about how a year lived online might have affected our children 
This episode was brought to you by the share button. The easiest appreciation you can give without spending your money. The share button helps us reach more people and grow our audience. So if you know someone who might enjoy the podcast, use the share button and share the caring effect. Every share helps. Now that all kids been spending an entire year at home. Online. Online, pretty much. On their cell phones, maybe shopping online. And that expert are thinking that young children are learning by exploring their environment and watching the adults in their life and then imitating them. How do you think this is affecting kids at home during a pandemic? Kids are going to be exposed to a lot by watching things on YouTube and online and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like they're missing out on that real life interaction between humans. Everyone's at home. Their parents are at home. Their siblings are at home. And you're not watching people live and go about their lives in a normal, organic way. Do you think that they're becoming more social maybe with online tools during the pandemic? I can see that they could be more social and exposed, maybe because they're hidden behind a screen they have more confidence to speak up or like to say something they wouldn't have in real life but then again there's something i don't like about that as well because it's going to be cradling them for the real life because real life is scary and it's scary to be in front of people and it's scary to meet people and to speak your mind so i feel like it's, it's kind of like almost like a cradle as well like a, something that they can rely on to hide behind yeah i've, I've i was thinking that maybe because I think overall people get bored, right? For example, if you spend too much time on a computer, just like we are getting Zoom fatigue, like I am getting Zoom fatigue when I'm in like a hundred of meetings a day or so. Oh, 100%. And right? like acting classes that are like seven hours long, it's like, whew, yeah. exhausting. Right, so imagine now, so if you're a kid and then you're spending your entire day, your classroom on Zoom, I'm pretty sure that the computer is the last thing you want to be on after a long day in class. I do believe that some kids get bored and after the fact, they want to do something else. I hope so. I really do hope so. And I think some kids might. They're just like, oh, I can't even stand this any longer and go outside or whatever. But I also think it's encouraging a laziness because like it takes work to get out there and do something creative or or go outside and imagine up something to do. One of the biggest concerns that I hear about the topic is that they don't get to do non-electrating activities because they're always glued on the computer. And people think that that might hinder the imagination and not foster creativity. But that's implying that people cannot be creative with this kind of device. But when you look at TikTok or Instagram and what those kids are able to create on those platforms, you know, all the imagination that is coming out of it. And that's one of the reasons also why I love TikTok too, because people are so creative on TikTok. So does it really hinder the creativity or does it actually enhance it? I don't know. <laughs> it's hard because it's just like, I get it. You do feel creative when you do something on, on the computer or if you design something or you sketch something with the iPad or whatever. But like... I think it's really healthy to exercise the other tactile muscles. Like that is a whole other ball game. So I, I just, I, I'm just. Ah. No. <laughs> I agree with that. That it's important to do things outside of a screen. But I think that when people start panicking about them using those devices, I think they might be getting it a little bit wrong because it might not be as bad as they think it is. It's a medium, just like writing is a medium, right? You can have different positive and negative with different medium. And when you think about those tools as a medium, then it's an open door for a lot of different use. So they can be good and can be bad use. And as long as the good use are encouraged and the bad use are 
not encourage, I think things should be fine. Okay, like, yes. But again, because parents aren't even able to, like, strictly monitor their own consumption, I feel like they're not going to be able to teach their children that skill as well. And I feel like we all have to relearn this new concept because, for example, when I was a kid, I read a lot. Like, I would read for hours and hours and hours. I'd finish, like, a book a day sometimes. But... Now, kids are like on the flip reverse. They're on their screens for that amount of time. But what if they're reading on an e-reader like the Kindle? That's a screen too, but they're mm-hmm. reading a book on a Kindle. Yeah, I know. On that, the iPad. That, sure, I know. But m- realistically speaking, they're not doing that. Well, maybe not. Most of them aren't. They're swiping and they're just getting fed content. What if they're consuming content on a blog? Isn't that considered reading? Yeah, of course. So this is what I'm thinking right now. A lot of people always associate reading to reading a physical book, like a paper book. And they dismiss the fact that sometimes you might be consuming a book on the screen. Mm-hmm. Or even if you're reading an article, that's still reading. It's not the same type of reading maybe because it's not a full-on story, but you, you're still reading an article. You're still reading a blog. And there are a lot of kids out there that spend an incredible amount of time reading hundreds and hundreds of blogs about a topic they're really fascinated about. Mm-hmm. But people might not consider that as reading. Is reading inherently just reading a book that has a beginning and an end? Or is it just consuming a written information? Because if it's written, I don't think the major matters. Oh, I agree. I think that's a really valid point. Um, my only thought on that, and that's not that I disagree with you, is my own habits for, for when I'm reading on, for example, my phone. If I'm reading blogs or articles like that, which I like doing, um, I do notice, though, that on my phone, I scan a lot more. Or if I'm reading a book, I really am reading the words. I go back. I really absorb the whole sentence. I don't know why, but I notice that habit in myself. So I don't know if that has something to do with just that because it's on a screen, I just don't fully sink my teeth into it. I just sort of scan. I don't think it's really getting into my brain as much as it could have. But that's just me, maybe me. We read a really interesting fact today about the value of uh, reading books. So according to the researchers at the University of Sussex, six minutes of reading can reduce stress levels by 68%. Reading beat out other relaxing activities, including listening to music, 61%, drinking tea or coffee at 54%, and taking a walk at 42%. So that's crazy. I can't believe it reduces stress up to 68% in just six minutes. Right now, I want to go read a book. That's like a crazy (laughs) fact. I love that. Really strong fact in favor of reading a book. I think this fact is actually for physical books, not screen time book. If it's a screen, then you get into the problem of, you know, sleep problem late night. But with a physical book, it's actually easier for your eyes to read. That's a really fascinating fact. And I think that's one fact that I would probably put in favor of reading a physical book and if kids today in a time of a pandemic are reading a physical book you know now that people are complaining about anxiety a lot of mental illness problem i think that's a very interesting fact to to keep in mind i agree so another fact we read was 63 percent of parents with school-aged children were more concerned about screen time now than before the coronavirus pandemic and i think that is because i think that parents as well and adults are spending more time on their screens and they're getting annoyed at themselves so i think like it's a natural reaction to be like oh my goodness if i'm feeling like this and my kids are gonna they're they're they my kids might not even know it but they're like fatiguing their brain with all this screen time so they're shifting the concern from from themselves to the kid you think yeah i think it's almost like a mirror image because they're like they're feeling it in themselves and then they're like oh my goodness if this is happening to me i want to protect my children 
right? Yeah. Like they're naturally concerned. So they're probably like, oh my goodness, like if I'm feeling like this and feeling so addicted to swiping and looking on my screen and all that kind of stuff, imagine what it's doing to my kids. And that's probably a really alarming feeling. They tend to panic because again, you know, they didn't grow up in that environment and then they obviously like shifting the fear toward the kids. Another part of the study was saying that uh, more than half of the parents survey were also worried about their children's ability to maintain friendship and other social connection and about their emotional well-being just like we were seeing i heard from friends of mine who have kids that they're worried that their kids are getting like a little depressed or discouraged maybe they're just more resilient than we think they are right they probably are yeah but another thought is that like yeah you can make friendships online and you can connect with people but you know how people are savage online it's because they've never met someone face to face and they can feel like they can do whatever they want or say whatever they want are they going to have that deep-rooted friendship do you know what i mean where there's like a loyalty there for the rest of their lives with someone they didn't really have an in-person relationship with that's assuming that they're only talking to random people they're meeting online but they're actually talking to their friends so people they previously have met yeah i actually read a book by anya kamenetz called the art of screen time she was saying how before the pandemic she was worried about screen time use and so on and and after the pandemic she realized a lot of new things rather than confronting the kids about those usage she tried to just like create connection and communicate with them because she realized that just like her her kid also were seeking more personal relationship with their friends and with their parents and she realized that actually it wasn't as bad as she thought it would be and that she always assumed probably that because they were spending so much time on devices and so on they wouldn't try to seek real connection but actually they are hungry for that so right? they still have that desire yeah they didn't turn into social paths you're saying they didn't <laughs> they are hungry for more connection thank goodness you know and <laughs> and technology just enabled them to seek those connection through their devices and through the social network and so on and they're hungry for it because that's what they had at the moment they just made do so like basically these kids are just making do yeah. they're not addicted they're not going to be messed up they're going to be okay one thing that i really want to mention that i really care about because i think that oftentimes we forget that technology is here to help us technology does not use us it's the reverse it's here to enable us and if anyone has like some personal issues that's going to be even more reflected through technology or amplified. So oftentimes people always have a fear of new technology or afraid of how technology might affect them. But they have to remember that they have a control over those technology. So to sum it all up, technology is not a bad thing. It's a tool that we can use and enjoy and we can learn from. But what we have to do is we have to reflect and be honest with ourselves and really break down how we use it and how long we spend on it and if it's effective and beneficial to our lives. So we're the best judge of that and we just have to be honest. And I just want to mention a couple of things from the out of screen time because I thought it was a really great book about the topic and I think a lot of parents out there would probably enjoy reading this book. So one of the suggestions that she recommended was that screen time is more about balancing screen use than regulating time. Parents should be smarter about content. For example, Sela was mentioning earlier, uh, YouTube, when you have autoplay, when you keep switching the content, parents should remember that sometimes that might lead to inappropriate content. And also, you should look for what's positive about your kid's screen time so you can help those positive things grow and encourage it so because there's that positive affirmation the kids will hopefully gravitate towards it and if you guys have a discussion together and like talk about it maybe they're gonna 
yeah, it's going to fester and grow and it can be a positive experience. And for parents out there that want to explore the topic about the technology fallacy and kids with technology and books and how you can better deal with new technology with your kids, I recommend to read the book, The New Childhood, Raising Kids to Thrive in a Connected World by Jordan Shapiro. And we're going to add all those books and recommendations in the description of the podcast. I hope this one will be really helpful for every parent out there. Thanks so much for listening. We had a lot of fun talking about this topic and um, yeah, I'm excited to learn more and keep growing. All right, guys. See you guys on the next one. Take care. That was 5050 Tech Flicks. If you have any questions or suggestions about the show, you can follow us on Twitter at 5050 Tech Flicks. Thank you for listening and welcome to the Tech Flicks Quad.